Oh, soon. Yeah. All right. Welcome to the Sales Fortune and Weekly Podcast. I am the Soul Man Brian Solak. As your, I'm your host this week. As Abraham Deweese is on leave for this week, but he will be back next week. I am joined by the one and only Matthew Page. How you doing, Matt? Good, good. And we've got a special guest, uh, the general manager of the Bellingham Bells, Stephanie's here with us. Well, thank you for uh, spending some time with us this this week, uh, Stephanie. We're looking forward to the Bells this year. Yeah, guys. Thanks, thanks for having me. Yeah, we are too. We're looking forward to seeing you guys at the ballpark this summer. Looking um, forward to it as well. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry, ahead, Matt. Go ahead. No, go ahead. You, you got the questions fired up. Let it. Let, let's go. Let's them. All right. Well, let's get started. Um, before we, we're definitely going to talk bells, but we want to talk a little bit about you, Stephanie. I mean, what, what's your background? I mean, you went to Western, am I, is that correct? Mm-hmm, yep. What, what did you study there? Yeah, so I um, went to Western and a long time ago. I'm starting to feel kind of old. Um, I'm like double the age of all of our interns now, so um, <laughs> we have we have nothing in common when they when they say I went they went to Western. I'm like I went there, and they kind of look at me like, yeah, that was a long time ago. But um, but I moved here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I moved here to Bellingham about 15 years ago to, to go to Western, and um, as is pretty commonplace here in Bellingham. Um, a lot of Western students find out that they love Bellingham and they do whatever they can uh, to not have to leave. And that's what I did. I, I stayed here in Bellingham. I got a job in advertising sales. I um, met my husband. We kind of laid down roots here. And um, I had an advertising sales territory um, for four or five years and kind of found the bells through that um, and have been here ever since. But uh, I've been here for the last 15 years or so, and uh, Western's what got me here, and, and I honestly don't know that I'll, I'll ever leave. I really love it here. Yeah, I have to yeah, say, uh, as I, yeah, I, yeah, I live down in, down in Everett, and yep. every time I'm in Bellingham, I'm like, man, I could totally live here. Uh, why don't I live here? <laughs> I, would, I, would, I would much rather live here. You know, I mean, I like Everett, but, uh, you know, I mean, I have to live within commute distance or whatever. But if I could, if I could, you know, go yeah. permanent, you know, live, work from home or whatever, I'd, I'd move to Bellingham probably in a heartbeat. It's a beautiful area. Wonderful vibe of the town. Oh, yeah. So I Are you from Washington? Valley. Yeah, I, I grew up in eastern Washington, so I kind of traded out, you know, a warmer climate and, uh, in the summer and snow in the winter um, for something that I literally like true story didn't own a rain jacket when I moved here I didn't think I was <laughs> oh. I just didn't think I would need one I had this like big parka and um, I called my parents and I was like 18 and I was like I don't have a rain jacket and it's been raining for like 32 days in a row like <laughs> I gotta figure this out so um but yeah I grew up in Yakima which is kind of fun um because we have a West Coast League team there now, the Pippins. So that's really cool to go on those road trips. And my parents still live there. So cool connection with, with uh, that team. But, yeah, I, I grew up in eastern Washington and um, ended up here. So, you know, I'm still close enough to family, but in a, in a spot that I, I really like. And um, it's, been, it's been a fun place to be for sure. Right on. Where's your husband from, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, he's kind of from everywhere. It's- what he usually tells what he usually tells people um their their family grew up in the navy and uh, his dad was in the navy and 
Uh, he, I believe, was lived in Pennsylvania, Texas, eight years in Iceland. Uh, they were just Japan. I mean, they were just about everywhere. And so uh, when they did come back and lay down roots, they um, settled in Sultan, which is um, up Highway 2 by Monroe. Um, and so that's where where he went to high school and where his family is now. And he ended up at, at Western as well. And, and both of us had the desire to, to stay here. And, um, and we've both been here ever since. Hmm. Outstanding. Outstanding. Um, if you don't mind, we, how long have the bells been around? Will you tell us a little bit about the, maybe a little bit about the history of the Bellingham bells? Uh, yeah. The fun thing about the bells is that the bells, like, a team named the Bells has been around forever, for 80, 90, 100 years. Um, and it's got a ton of history in our community. I actually have a book on my desk that um, a couple local folks wrote that's really impressive. It's called Bays to Bells, and it's about the history of the team, the Bells, um, in our community. You know, it's been all sorts of things. It's been a collegiate team. It's been a community team. Um, there were times in the you know, during World War One and Two, where um, a lot of the men were off in war and their wives played for the team. Um, there's just all sorts of cool things that, that have happened. I It's pretty common. I actually keep the book on my desk because it's pretty common that someone will give me a call or they'll show up and say, you know, my grandpa was a bell in 1952. <laughs> and I just look in the book because they have a glossary in the back of every player that they know that was involved with any of these teams. So I'm able to like look up their grandpa and see what his involvement was. So it's pretty cool. Um, so the bells have like really, really deep roots in our community, which um, is great. And that's, that's really, we're very community minded and, and there's a lot of deep history there. Um, obviously Bellingham had some affiliated baseball in the seventies, eighties and nineties. Everybody always talks about King Griffey jr. Obviously he played at Joe Martin Field, started his career uh, when the Bellingham Mariners were there. The Giants were also there for a while. The Dodgers were as well. So, um, you know, there's been times in the history of Bellingham baseball where there was affiliated baseball. And then um, in 1999, the Bells came in as a collegiate team. Um, at the time, they were in the Pacific International League. And then in 2005, they joined the West Coast League. So, uh, for about the last 15 years, the Bells have been um, a West Coast League team, um, but they've certainly been around a really long time. And I'm honestly still, I mean, I've been doing this job for eight years, and I'm still learning um, things about the Bells um, in the community that people are telling me. So it's it's pretty cool. The, the roots are pretty deep. Yeah, if you uh, just, just to let anyone know listening, you, you got to get that book. Uh, I bought it at that. One of the games, uh, mm-hmm. uh, two years ago now or whatever, I got the last copy. And, uh, I, so like it bothered me to, to, to lend it to him at least once <laughs> or twice. And so has Abraham. And, um, <laughs> it, it is, it's a fascinating book. It's a great, it's a great look into the, the past of the, the North Sound, uh, in general mm-hmm. of, of, of teams. It's, I, I just find it fascinating to read back about those, the, 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 the teams in those times around, not just, not just in the North Sound, but all, well, all over, you know, read around, mm-hmm. read about the, um, the, the teams that played at the, uh, in the Payne Field during the war. And, mm-hmm. you know, you go the, you got the, uh, the Seattle Steelheads and you, I mean, you can go, you can go way back. There's a, there's a real, there's a real interesting history to the Northwest and, and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and amateur slash professional teams. Um, but, 
You had a question there, uh, Brian, I think. Yeah. We were wondering, we were talking pre-show, but we were wondering how do you guys acquire your players every year? I mean, what's the process? Yeah, great question. Um, That's a question I get a lot because I think when people think about putting rosters together, they think about, like, scouting and, like, me being out there with a radar gun or something, (laughs) and that's just – that's not – not actually how it happens at, at our level. So, um, you know, we have a really fantastic coaching staff and, and two of our coaches, uh, they work with us pretty closely year round. So our head coach, Adam Geeslin, and then our pitching coach and recruiting coordinator, Jim Clem, who's really kind of a legend, uh, in the Northwest. I think he just got inducted into his seventh Hall of Fame. Cool. He's kind of, uh, he's kind of one of those guys mm-hmm. and, uh, wow. he just knows everyone he's been um a coach for a long time his knowledge is really great and um when eddie poplowski who was the owner before our current owner glenn kirkpatrick uh when he bought the team he brought jim on board with a few other coaches and jim took the kind of role of constructing the roster uh, because he is retired now and he does have the time to to do that in the fall and so what it is is really it's a relationship sort of thing with those college coaches um we oftentimes go back to the same programs and, you know, you build the trust and understanding so that that program, you know, they understand what you're looking for, what kind of kids you're looking for, what kind of player you're looking for, um, but that you also understand and and the coach also understands what kind of experience that player is going to get when they come and how they're going to be taken care of and what kind of coaching they're going to get. And, you know, is, are, are we going to look out for their best interests and, and make sure that they don't get hurt and all those things. And so um, it's really a trust building thing. And um, you, you make those relationships, you have your contacts. And then what, what surprises people, I think, is that uh, it starts almost, at the very end of the season, but sometimes it actually starts before the season even ends. So sometimes, you know, we're getting and making those phone calls in mid August. So I, you know, I'll get calls now saying, Hey, I'm available to play for you. And it's like, our roster has been totally full since the end of September, you know? So it just happens, I think a lot quicker than what people think. And so, um, you know, the way it works is Jim gets on the phone and, you know, we decide what we need and what programs we want to pull from. And, uh, the coaches are really who makes the decision. They make the decision about which players they want to send where. So we can make requests and we can talk to them about what they have and decide what we, you know, what we think will fit. But ultimately it's the coaches making placements, not, you know, us really scouting or, or making decisions of who we want to sign. Um, and, and it's, it's a lot of relationships and, um, it's a lot of, you know, year after year. You know, one example we've worked with, um, John Savage at UCLA for a better part of 10 years and um, year after year, you know, he, he understands what experience the kids are going to get. And so, you know, he'll now call and say, Hey, I've got a guy, he's a top 100 prospect. He's a possible second round draft pick. Like I want him to go to you because I trust you and I know what's going to happen. And so, so that's kind of how you get your, your edge and how you can build a good roster. And, um, it's, it's a cool process. Coach Clem could talk for hours and hours about how it all comes together. And one of the coolest parts about my job, um, is that, you know, I'll get the downloads. Like I don't have to do any of the really hard recruiting work. Coach Clem kind of does the heavy lifting, but I'll get all the information that, that he gets on these players and it's extensive. I mean, he knows everything. He knows what kind of student they are. He knows what kind of kid they are. He knows everything about their pitches. I mean, he's just, is like throwing all sorts of info out there and it's, we really do our research, which is, which is cool. It's a cool process. And, 
Um, you know, you kind of get to the point where we're at now where we have a roster that looks awesome on paper and now we just have to get everybody here, get, make sure they're healthy and, and see how it all comes together. Um, I, right I wanted to ask you about the, uh, the, the different kinds of contracts. We heard reference mm-hmm. to like some people get like, uh, I guess 15 day contracts or, or, or shorter contracts, things like that. Um, how do you decide those? Yeah. So the way that it kind of works is, um, basically, you know, we're working with all college students, right? So everybody who's coming to us is enrolled somewhere. And there's two sorts of academic calendars. There's semester schools and there's quarter schools. And um, kids who are at a quarter school, they aren't available until their classes are over. And that's usually not until mid-June. Our okay. season starts at the beginning of, of June. And then you've also got, um, you know, the regionals, the NCAA college baseball regionals, uh, the World Series. You know, that goes on through the entire month of June. And so we always know, okay, here's our roster. But we know right now, okay, four or five guys. You know, they're going to still be taking classes till mid-June. Here's a couple other guys. Their program is red hot. There's a really good chance they go to a regional. Maybe they go to a super regional. So what we do is we um, we call them 10-day players. And um, there's always a lot of misconception that on, like, the 10th day, on the 23rd hour, like, we send you packing. But really, <laughs> it's just it's just kind of, you know, we call it that. But it's a temporary contract. And okay. um, I've seen guys who come in and they're here for two, three, four days. Some guys on those temporary contracts, they never leave. They, they stay the whole summer, you know, and so, um, so it kind of depends. But what we do is we look and we see what our needs are and then we go to, uh, community colleges. So, um, our temporary contract players are normally local to the area, um, localish, you know, Washington and Oregon, somewhere that they could get here by car and be flexible and not, you know, have to fly across the country for four days or five days, you know, and so, um, it's generally, D3 um, community college. It's smaller programs, but man, those guys, you know, it's, it's guys who maybe aren't your typical West coast league player. Cause we normally do draw from, from D1 schools, but um, there are so many good players that we've gotten that, that way. And every year, at least a couple of them make the team. And there have been guys who have been the WCL batting champ. There's been guys who have made the all-star team, um, all guys who started on a, on a 10 year, 10 day contract. And it's so awesome to watch those guys. I mean, they, they know they can do it and, and they come in with a chip on their shoulder and um, are able to compete with the D one guys. And, and it's really awesome to see. So um, 10 day players are a big part of, of the whole league and how we can have success. And it's not just at the beginning, it's also at the end. So at the end, you kind of have the same problem. All of the guys who got there early, because they were semester school guys, now they have to go back. And a lot of those schools start August 15th, August 20th, kind of when we're finishing up our playoffs. So we do also use some temporary contract players at the end, sometimes the same guys we used at the beginning and sometimes different guys. But um, those temporary contract guys are honestly a big part of it. And, you know, if you want to make a run and be able to win a title, you, you got to have those guys, and um, they, they really contribute a lot. Right on. Do you get, I have to ask, do you get in a recruiting battle with like the Cape Cod League for players or any of the other leagues? <laughs> yeah, you know, because, because it's through the coaches, it's not necessarily like a battle because, you know, we're kind of a lot of times letting the coaches defer to who they, who they want to send us. Um, occasionally, you know, you kind of hold your breath if you've signed a guy and, and he has a really, really good season because you're like, oh, the Cape might offer him a contract. <laughs> and, um, and you know, the Cape, 
Honestly, the West Coast League is it's a great league. I mean, I think it's the best in the West Coast and um and it's really grown and we we're going to have 16 teams next year and the talent's really grown, but the Cape Cod is is the gold standard, right? And that's where the guys that's the, when they get that offer it's like, "Oh, I could go to the Cape Cod." So, occasionally, you know, you're kind of holding your breath, but no, I I think what the coaches do and 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 we're totally on board with this is part of the experience here is for guys to get different experiences in different leagues. So to go out to the West coast league for a summer and then to spend a summer in the Northwoods league and then to go to Cape Cod, you know? And so um, that's really good for them. They get to see different parts of the country, you know, meet different folks, get different coaching. And so a lot of the coaches will, will kind of do that. They'll say, you know, you're going to spend a summer in the West coast league and now next summer you're going to go out to the Northwoods or new England league or, or whatever. So yeah, no, we're all pretty friendly with each other. The the college baseball world and in specific just the baseball world's pretty small and we all kinda cross paths and uh we we're all pretty friendly with each other. No no big recruiting battles. <laughs> it, it sounds I mean it sounds similar to the you know, when I think about it, it sounds similar to like the pipeline you said of a pipeline basically, you know, like that the yep. old like, college football recruiting into high schools and stuff. You go yep. you know, you know areas that you know and, and people that you know, you build the relationships and the coaches yep. that trust you and send players to you and all that. So I mean that that's a great way to go about business. You know, it's a good way to to build everyone's skills. And like you said, I, I like that idea. Of, of if I was a player, I probably would you know try to sample coaching and do one one season in each league across the league to kind of you know mm-hmm. get different perspective on things. I can see how that'd be a good advantage, a good leg up before you hit the minors uh, or you know good minors for baseball. Yeah, <laughs> well that's. That's kind of one of the things that college coaches like about summer ball, and that's one of the the things that's really cool about it is it mimics the minor league experience in a lot of ways. Um, it you know the the colleges they live a pretty good life in college baseball, right? They fly almost everywhere. Um, you know, it's two guys to a hotel room sometimes, and you know things like that. And um, when the guys are in the summer collegiate, they're swinging a wood bat, they're doing the long bus trips. Um, you know, I've had guys say we're we're taking a bus to Longview and I'm like what did you think we what did you think we were going to do well we fly everywhere yeah we're not flying to Longview that's not that's not happening so um so it just it gets them kind of you know there's a lot of community elements with having fans at the games and autographs and uh representing your community so it's really similar to a to a low a minor experience and so they get to get a taste of it and um, you know it's a pretty cool thing host families yep yeah, that's a big part of it too. Is yeah, the low level. Get, get, yeah, so it is, yeah, it, it's good training. It's good training for their future profession. Hopefully, mm-hmm. I would absolutely. I, I'm curious is is there like a big wig, big big wig, big league team in the West Coast Conference? I mean, Corvallis seems like the New York Yankees of the <laughs> West Coast League. Am I wrong? Yeah, they. No, I mean you're not wrong. They've certainly had <laughs> a ton of success and. I think the rest of us are just like, we have got to find a way to make this end. But, um, but they are, they're impressive. I mean, they're really impressive. Everything about them is impressive. They want, they, they run a really good organization. It's really well run. Um, the, you know, they have, they've got good values. They're invested in their community. They obviously have a great facility. They play at Oregon State and, uh, and they have just been really solid on the field. And, you know, we, we played them in the 2014 championship. We're lucky enough to come out on top. And then in 2016, uh, we went down there, um, and played them the championship. It went three games and, 
Um, you know, we were just talking about that the other day, like by all accounts, we probably should have won. Our team that year was absolutely stacked. We, um, we were so loaded, but it's just such a like crazy place to play. And you know, if you go into Corvallis and you have to play game three there, like you're in trouble. Like it's just, it's a hard, it's just a hard place to play. They've got a great team, great fans, and they've just been, they've been really talented, um, over the last, few years and so one of these days somebody's going to knock them off but what they've been able to do is pretty darn impressive like four in a row because what people forget or maybe people just don't know is you know we we don't have like we're not the Yankees right we don't have guys on like huge contracts we turn over our rosters almost every year like almost every year it's 90 percent new players and so we always tell people like our mascot dinger He's like the only one that is guaranteed <laughs> to come back every year, right? And so, yeah. um, so the fact that you could have that sort of dynasty with turning your roster every year, every year, I mean, that's impressive no matter what league you're in, you know, to do that in summer collegiate baseball. So yeah, pretty impressive, but you know, we're, we're coming from this year. I, I would love nothing more than to knock them off their pedestal. I think four in a row is enough. And I think we're, we're ready to, <laughs> we're ready to come after them. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, what what was it like to be a part of a? Te- you were part of the team in 2014. What was it like? Yeah. Uh, it's awesome. I mean, it's it's so it's such a fun thing to be a part of. I think from the business end and from the baseball end too, it is a total whirlwind, right? Like you are finding out that you're hosting games like 24 hours before you have to host them. You're, you're just, it's just a world when it's just, you're living one night at a time and it's just, it's crazy. And that year was particularly crazy. Most people probably don't even know that, but know this, but our team that year was really, really good. Um, I think we clinched the playoffs in late July. We went on a 14 um, win streak sometime in early July uh, we were re- we were really talented, and but before the season had started, the city of Bellingham had agreed to put in an all turf surface, or mostly turf, a dirt mound. But they they were going to put synthetic turf in at the field, and they had said um, that they could do it, but that we had to agree to play our last ten home games on the road so they could start construction. So we agreed to that, and so July thirty first was our last home game. And then we were going to go on the road and we had said we would um, play all our playoffs on the road and everything else. Well, of course, like then we qualify and we've got this team that's really good. The fans were like begging the city to delay construction. So they did delay construction to let us play at home for the divisional series. But they said, you know, this will be it. And then we won the divisional series and the fans like were begging the city. So the city did let us host it. <laughs> Uh, we delayed the project about a month and we're sorry for that, but it was worth it. And, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. and, and it was such a cool thing. I think the coolest thing, um, is just thinking about when, you know, there's, it was a great game. It was Corvallis. Um, it was a three, two game and it just went down to the final pitch and you could just feel the tension in the stadium. But, um, the community was just going nuts and there was five or six, you know, year old kids like 50 of them that just ran out on the field and I don't, I don't know where they came from, but it was so cool thinking that those kids might love baseball, might start to love baseball or want to play baseball or just, you know, have this positive memory of the game because of that night. And I still get like goosebumps when I think about that night and how our community was just, they were so jazzed and I've never seen anything that cool in the stadium 
um, since then. It was just the coolest thing. And, uh, it's just, it's special, right? I mean, to be able to be on top and anything is really special. And, but it is also very odd because it's really cool and it was just a great memory. And the next morning, everyone is gone except the front mm-hmm. office and the mascot, <laughs> you know, like everybody, yeah. mm-hmm. everybody goes back. And so it's just, it's some, that's summer ball for you. Right. That's just, that's how it is. So it was very cool though. Very special and um, very cool for the kids. Lots of cool memories and, um, you know, definitely something I hope that we can, um, I've gotten to be part of a couple other championship series and that's very fun. Um, very cool. Very memorable. So something I'm hopeful we can bring for our fans again. Nice. Um, uh, do you have another man? I were talking pre-show, and he mentioned he was. Do you have Do you have another like favorite moment or two you'd care to share with us and our fans? Oh wow! Um, yeah, I mean, there's so many, right? But like, so one that everybody always talks about that really sticks out to me is um, that same year, actually, um, in 2014, and we were playing Cowlitz. Uh, the night before the 4th of July, so July 3rd, and it was a fireworks show, and so we had our fireworks show planned, and everything was all queued up, and I think that it was like a 3-2 game or something, and, um, you know, we thought we were going to get out of it, and the game was going, like, blazing fast, and so we were worried because we thought we were going to have to stall to to set off the fireworks. So we were starting to think of all these ways that we could stall to keep the fans in the ballpark after the game got over. So it would get dark enough to let the fireworks off. And then they tied the game and the game went 17 innings. (laughs) And and we ended up being there. The game got over at 1210 in the morning. Um, Our next game was 4th of July. So it was a noon game. So the next day we were playing at noon and um, we also had this pyrotechnic guy who had been sitting in the outfield for like seven hours with $3,000 <laughs> worth of fireworks. And um, I remember Nick, who I was working with at the time, he looked at me and he's like, do we do this or not? And I was like, we have to do this. There's 12, 1,200 people stayed <laughs> until 12, 10 in the morning. And I was like, we have to do this. So we set the fireworks off at 12, 10 in the morning. Got a lot of angry emails about that. But uh, yeah, I was going to say, did the city show up and go, what are you doing? Yeah, late? there was, there was some questions. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we, uh, super memorable. Um, you know, that, that was really cool. So that, that was a, just a fun memory. That was just a fun, funny thing that happened. And then I think, you know, the other one for me is, um, Probably the the 2016 championship series that we played with Corvallis. Um, that game three is maybe the best baseball game I've ever been in attendance for. I mean, it was just back and forth. The pitching in that whole series. Um, Spencer Howard, who's with the Phillies now, um, was on that team. He pitched game one against Jake Wong, who's also in um, minor league baseball right now. And just, I mean, the pitching was just phenomenal. The players, I think we just did a count. And those two teams had 23 players that went into that got drafted and went into minor league baseball. So the talent was just exceptional. Um, That game, we ended up, you know, we were up in the sixth inning and um, their guy comes up. I think we were up three zero. Their guy comes up, hits a grand slam. Like it was just, it was a crazy game. And and it was just, they definitely earned it. And our guys played their hearts out and it really wasn't over till like the final pitch. And it was just such a great display of, um, two teams. You know, one thing we worry about with these athletes is, you know, is it just summer ball, right, to them? And 
Uh, we don't want it to be just summer ball. We want them to care. We want them to, to get something good. And for those two teams, man, they, they were just, everybody wanted to leave with the trophy and wanted to put everything they had into it. So yeah, those, those are two great memories. Then of course I have so many like off the field memories too. There's just so many cool things that happen at the ballpark. And, and that's why I do the job. That's why I've done it so long. Um, because I just love everything that we get to be a part of. There's mostly good memories and there's just, you know, so many to choose from. It's, it's pretty cool. Uh, I wanted wanted to ask you, yeah, uh, about the, uh, you mentioned in your, in your, in your duties and everything. Whenever I'm at the park, I'm always amazed at how many different hats you wear during during (laughs) the game. You know, is that just, just part of just you and the fun or is that, you know, part of the job? You got to go cover it. There's so many, you know, so many hats and places that got to be covered in small business and juggling it or, or is that just you just getting in there and going, okay, let's do this, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I, you know, I think that, um, at this level, the job does require wearing a lot of hats, um, and, and we all and we all do it, and we all have, you know, we have small staffs, and um, you know, a minor league baseball staff is generally, you know, about a front office might be about ten people, and we have two, so it, oh. it's just it's a lot smaller, and so we we wear a lot of hats, but a lot of it is just me I like to just be busy and people you know people laugh at me they're like I just saw you in the concession stand like what are you doing over here and uh that's just that's just <laughs> me I, I I really like to um be able to get my hands dirty but it is kind of what it takes at this level too and um to be able and I think that's how we've built our business like if you come to a game you know you'll see me at the front gate you'll see my staff you'll know us by name you'll see our owner hanging out like watching the game and um we want to be accessible. We we don't want to like sit in the castle and watch baseball games. Like we want you to know who we are. We want to help make this happen. And um, so it's fun. Yeah, we all definitely wear a lot of hats. But for me, I mean that that's actually something I really like about it. Yeah, I was I was t- talking to Brian uh, before before the call and recalling our, our our one of my favorite moments when when we were up there visiting. Uh, and I think it was like the second game, and we 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 cleaned you out merchandise wise the first the first time <laughs> me Abraham and, and Brian, and the second the second time we were coming through, and I came around the corner, and both Abraham and Brian were were picking out more things to buy, and you were you had decided to take over and give the person who ran the merchandise a, a break, I guess, and and I just like you're making your money off of us, and, and you were immediately like you guys are welcome anytime, and I honestly, I, I, you know, I want to I want to I want to emphasize. We really do feel incredibly welcome. It's a wonderful atmosphere at the ballpark games. Everyone listening, absolutely go. It's an amazing experience. Um, and 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 check out. I, I did write an article about it on our on our SSU SalesforceUnion.com about it. So many years ago now, because of COVID, I've lost <laughs> track of years. Right. But two years back, you yeah. can find my article on the, on the experience, and, and and we feel welcome, and the community is there. Everyone's really really into the games. It's 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 a unique experience. It really is, and 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 you're you know the, the amount of passion and everything that you have, and it shows. It really does. Um, and and so thank you for the experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, yeah. And with that, uh, we have, what was the next question I had? I had another question. Go ahead, so I can remember. Uh, I was reading, it was, it was an article, I think from 2018, but it said that you've increased fan attendance over the f- few years of uh, like 40, 50%. I mean, what have mm-hmm. you done to increase attendance there? Yeah, well, you know, that, that's a long play. Um, and we've really been, so I've, I've been here for eight years. I've worked for, two really 
great owners and I'm really fortunate um, in that way. And so the first owner that I worked for, the owner that hired me, Eddie Poplowski, um, he actually bought the team in 2011 and he bought the team because his son, Danny, um, was playing in the West Coast League. He didn't really know a lot about summer baseball. His son, Danny, was out at Georgetown and he got placed at Walla Walla, and so Eddie and his wife came up and watched here in Bellingham when Walla Walla came up. And um, Eddie had family in Bellingham. He loves Bellingham. But at the time, the Bells were averaging about 200 fans a game. Um, their owners didn't live in town. It just There wasn't a ton of um, passion and energy in, in the ballpark, and he just was like, Bellingham is an awesome place. I really, you know, I really don't understand why this place isn't kind of rocking. And he kind of had a vision, like, of what he thought it should be like. And so he decided to buy the team and he, he really just started everything from scratch. So new logos, um, you know, new mascot, did a bunch of work to the ballpark and kind of said, okay, what's our mission? What do we want this to look like? We want it to be community. We want it to be family friendly entertainment. And he just built it kind of like one year at a time. Like, all right. The way I always tell people is like, we kind of knocked the house down and then we built the foundation and then we built on top of it and then we added the paint and now we're kind of doing the yard. You know, that's kind of what I tell people is like, it's just kind of one thing at a time. And so, um, that's what he, that's kind of what he did. And we did it through, you know, we, we tried to not make any promises to the community and the fans that we couldn't keep. Uh, we tried to make it a good atmosphere. We tried to make it people, places where, you know, a place where people wanted to go and they wanted to come back. And we worked really hard to, get better at the game day experience to make local connections, to get good sponsors, to, you know, just continue to build our brand in the community and kind of do it the long play. And, um, you know, around 2017, 2018 really started to pay off, really started to see the attendance. Um, Eddie sold the team in 18 to our current owner, uh, Glenn Kirkpatrick, who just kind of ramped it up a level. Like Glenn is just a big marketing and promotions guy and, he just helped us kind of get there with the branding and the ballpark experience. And, um, and we kind of just took, you know, now people kind of knew who we were and what we could deliver and they trusted us. And we kind of just ramped up the atmosphere and the marketing and, you know, just kind of tried to make the ballpark feel like, Hey, here's a place you want to be. And um, it's really paid off and, and we're really super grateful. Our community has just the support they've shown us has just been crazy. And I haven't put tickets on sale for this year and I am literally having to like, people like no no like not yet you know people are so excited and um we're so we're so grateful to have the community um support we have so it hasn't been one thing it hasn't been you know a magic this or that it's just been you know deciding eight ten years ago that we had a vision for what we wanted this to look like and kind of doing the long play to to get it there that's uh, excuse me sorry uh, no uh, that, that's great. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I remember now finally what I wanted to ask. And my, my question here now is uh, about your commissioner. I wanted to wonder if you guys mm. had to roll out the red carpet for him. If he's what kind of a commissioner <laughs> is he? You know, well, how's Rob, Ni- Rob, Rob Nyer? Is he really, you know, he seems like an approachable guy when he was the media, the, you know, the yeah. baseball media guy. But is he, you know, is he, you know, Lord Commissioner, and you must roll out the red, you know, <laughs> is he that kind of guy, or is he the super approachable? Yeah. Know, do what you do no, Rob's, Rob's really pretty down-to-earth guy. Um, he's very approachable. He's a guy who we, all of the GMs and owners know that we can call, you know, anytime and ask a question, and, and he's really, 
he's really an approachable down to earth guy. Just loves, you know, really loves the game. Um, he does come visit us, you know, once a summer, the first summer, um, I kind of showed him around and then he said, you know, I'd really just like to go sit in the press box and, and keep score. And I was like, okay, Rob. So we set him up with a paper scorecard because that's what he likes to do during games. <laughs> and he hung out upstairs and, you know, and I, I said, yeah, I want to get you on the radio or I want to, and he said, okay, I'll do whatever you want me to do. But when, when I'm not doing that, I'm going to sit here and, and keep score. And, um, kind of the same thing. The second year he brought a friend and they sat in the grandstand and, um, he's just a super approachable guy. He just, he loves the game. He certainly is not, um, you know, lording over anybody or he's just, he's trying to help and trying to grow the league and, uh, you know, trying to do what he can to just support us all, um, administratively. And, um, Rob's a, Rob's a good guy and, um, he's really certainly a down to earth guy and just a guy who's super passionate about, um, the game, especially, you know, the saber metrics and, um, stats and that's, that's really his thing. That's, that's out of the game. So, uh, really good guy though. He's, uh, been a good representative of the league and, um, a guy that, you know, we've all enjoyed getting to know. Okay. So what, what would you say now if we, if we hit pause on the record, what was, what's the real story about Rotten <laughs> <laughs> now, that, now that you said what you're supposed to say about Rob Nair, uh, right. you know. uh, um, so uh, w- you know, looking forward, we got the season coming up here, and wow, it's coming up fast, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah it is. less than two months. Uh, you know, what, what can we look forward to? You got any, you know, big, uh, big promotions, big uh, highlights? You know, the, are we going to have another 12:30 p.m. or a.m. I guess? Uh, <laughs> Show. Well, I hope not, but you never know. That's the thing about the summer is you never quite know what you're going to get till you get in there. But, um, but yeah, you know, the big thing this summer, we will have some promotions. We're going to do a couple fireworks nights. We're going to run our $2 Tuesday promotion and do a couple giveaways. But, you know, the big thing this summer is just getting back to the ballpark, right? And being able to, to do so in a way that's safe and in a way that um, people feel comfortable and um we're really excited to be able to do that it um it's been a challenge it's a logistical challenge and um you know even for somebody like me I mean I've I've been doing this job a while and um I kind of know all the ins and outs and there's things that it's like oh how are we how are we going to do that you know and so so it's a challenge but we're excited we're really excited to to bring people back and just to um you know, to be here cheering for our team again. And there was a big hole, I think, for a lot of people last summer not having Bell's baseball. And I know a lot of people said that, you know, and I know for me spending my summer at the ballpark working and watching it be empty, it was really sad. And so um, I, I think that people are just excited to get back to the ballpark and it's going to be a great summer. we got a good team and um, it's going to be fun just to get people together and, and cheering for the team. And, and we know we can do that safely and, um, we're super excited and I know people are, are fired up about it. It's, it's going to be great. It's going to be fun. What kind of capacity are we looking at when the, you know, at least the beginning of the season? Do you have any idea yet or? Yeah. Well, we know that right now we can have uh, 25% capacity. And okay. so for us, that's about 790 fans. And, right. um, you know, our average attendance was about 1800 in 2019. So it's significantly less. Um, but we are hopeful that. You know, there's a possibility of getting to 50% um, sometime before opening day on June 4th or maybe shortly after. But at this point, you know, we're 
we're thankful for the 790 and we know that won't allow everybody to be in the ballpark, but that at least gets us to play with fans. And, uh, and so that, that's better than, you know, playing in front of no fans or playing in front of 200 fans. So I think the capacity, I hope the capacity will increase, um, as the summer goes on. And, you know, we certainly, we're going to do everything we can. If, if we're allowed to by the state, we're, we're going to make sure that fans can be there at the ballpark, um, you know, as much as our capacity allows and, and then also have, you know, live streams available for, for those who might not be able to be there as well. So, um, yeah, we're, we're, we're hopeful. We've got a month to go here. So hopefully that number will, will increase a little bit and allow us to have a few more fans join us at the ballpark. Have you filled your roster or is that still ongoing? Yeah, it's pretty full. You know, there'll be a little bit of a uh, movement here. There'll be, you know, guys who get hurt or maybe they're not hurt, but they've just thrown a lot of innings and the coaches didn't expect them to throw so many innings. And they said, you know, what, we're just not going to send him out. Um, but, and so you might have a few things to replace, but for the most part, um, we're full and uh, the team that we've got right now is going to be pretty close to the team that uh, we'll see on June 4th. Outstanding. Uh, West Coast Baseball signed with Driveline Baseball, and I think that's awesome. Has that mm-hmm. started to make an impact on you guys, or what's going on with that? Yeah, so we'll we'll see the big impact of that this summer. Um, essentially, you know, I think that relationship will will probably continue to grow, and um, it, it made sense to have two big baseball brands on the West Coast, you know, working together. But one thing um, that's been really cool is. The West Coast League, I think, has kind of um, situated themselves and become to be known as a league that really adopts and uses technology. So we started using TrackMan in our parks, in six of our parks in 2019. And this summer, all of our parks will have TrackMan. Uh, we also use Synergy Video, which is a, a really cool video uh, program that lays over the TrackMan data and really gives you some some cool insight. And so... Uh, we all started using that in 2019, but one thing we found with the TrackMan data is it is really overwhelming. And in the course of a summer, when you don't really have that much time and the coaches have a ton on their plate, um, you know, you're getting 100-page reports after every game, and it's it's just a lot to go through. And so Driveline, partnering with Driveline, um, they partnered with us to give to give us their TrackX software, which allows us to manage that data share it with the players, share it with coaches, um, and really be able to look at it in a way that is a lot more digestible. So we'll all be using that TrackX software. We'll be using it in our park um, to really digest that sabermetrics data that, that we're getting. And uh, and then, you know, there'll be other um, parts and pieces to the relationship as well. Um, but, you know, the most formal part of it is um, us beginning to kind of partner with them and adopt that that technology and, and that'll be a really cool and helpful I think for, for our teams. I was gonna say that that probably seriously enhances your value to the to you know to the college teams and the and, and you know from a from a uh, not really a recruiting standpoint, but I guess that similar process like teams are gonna be you know colleges are gonna be more likely to send players to you because you're gonna be able to get that better data they can they can enhance their uh, their training for the players. Yeah, for sure. I mean there's so much <laughs> emphasis in the summer of trying to keep the coaches updated and make sure they can see the stats and calling them and letting them know how their guys look. And this is just another piece to say, you know, Hey, here's something we can share with you, all this data, and they can just look at them themselves. It's, it's really valuable. Um, and, and it's, you know, I, I think it's definitely um, going to be something the coaches are, are really going to enjoy using this summer. Uh- 
I do have to ask, you brought up Jim Clem earlier. How have you been able to keep him around all these years? <laughs> you know, I don't know what his answer to that question would be, but my answer to I think he just genuinely enjoys it. Um, I I know that um, he would say that, you know, he loves the organization, he loves working with us and all that, and, you know, that's certainly mutual. Um, we love working with Jim, and I think he enjoys, you know, the culture and the environment, you know, in general – our front office and coaching team and ownership, like we're all really tight. We all genuinely like each other. We're all very family oriented. And um, I, I think a lot of the reason that I've done this so long is for the same reason. I just really enjoy the people that I get to work with. And those people work just as hard or harder as I do than I do. And everyone really cares about this and pulls on the same rope. So I think that's part of it, but he just loves it. You know, he, um, for him, it's, he's very talented. he, he knows pitching so well. He's so good with the kids. He, um, he's one of the best that I've ever seen in being able to, one, identify what a player needs to do, and then B, being able to just like explain it to them in a way that they can instantly connect to and go, oh yeah, I can do that. I mean, he's just, he's so talented and I think he just, he loves helping the kids. He enjoys it. It energizes him. And, uh, you know, last year he'd call me like once, once or twice a month and go, I hate not having baseball this summer. Like he was just so bored. <laughs> and so, um, you know, he loves his family. He loves everything about what he's doing and squim. But at the end of the day, man, there's something about being out on a baseball field for summer baseball that he just loves. He loves getting to know the guys. He loves the league. He loves getting to see the other coaches and, um, you know, he, he just loves it. And, and I know he's not going to do it forever, but, um, but so far, I, I think it continues to be something that he really looks forward to. And, um, and we feel really lucky to have him because he, he really is just the best. He's, he's phenomenal. He is really, really good at what he does. Yes, he is. Well said. Well said. Um, one last person I need to t- talk about is Brian Sloan. We're, we're going to have him on as a guest in a couple yeah. weeks. How do you know Brian Sloan? Yeah, so, well, a couple ways. Um, so I actually met Brian um, very early on when I started this job um, when he was at the Aqua Sox and uh, when he was running the Aqua Sox and he was very kind to us. He let me bring my staff down um, and kind of shadow his staff and he, you know, we would do that at the beginning of the season so that our game day staff could kind of see what it was supposed to look like and we would take them to an Akasaki game and he was, he was very kind to us and, um, very helpful. And then a couple of years later, I think in, um, 2017 sometime, he actually was the commissioner of the West Coast League for, um, for some time. So got to work with Brian, um, a bit, um, in that way as well. And then just had kind of, um, kept in touch, but talk about a good guy. Brian's a great guy. Um, he's a phenomenal guy and, uh, it's just somebody I've always really enjoyed working with and um, just a, a, a really, really nice guy. I agree. He's a great family man too. And we're mm-hmm. thankful that he brought us, brought us to you as well. So thank you for accepting us <laughs> into your family. <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> it's who you know in this, in this business, I guess. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, you know, everybody's connected to everybody. Yeah, uh, it's true. Yep. It's a small world. So uh, we, uh, we we real quick just want to touch on we saw the news today the Western uh, West Coast Baseball League is one one family member bigger uh, yeah 
the guys are adding another team in, oh, what was it, Springfield this year. Springfield, yep. Yeah. Uh, it's, so how, how, how are you looking? Are you looking forward to that? And you got, what, four new teams next year? Yes, um, for sure. It's super exciting. I was actually just thinking earlier today that when I joined the West Coast League, I think there was 10 or 11 teams, and then we were at 12 for a while. And, uh, and then now to be going to 16, um, it's, it's pretty amazing. And I'm really excited about the new markets in general. Um, the three Canadian markets are going to be, Canadian, I think, um, yeah. <laughs> I know, beautiful, ran by the Victoria Club and they do a really great job. Um, it's Edmonton is going to be, that's an amazing facility. It sees 9,000 people. Um, that's going to be very cool. And, um, and then Kamloops. I'm super excited about Kamloops. They've got a great ownership group. It's in a cool location. Um, so those are going to be three awesome new teams that I think are going to be great additions. And then today to, you know, be able to announce that we're going to 16 and, um, to be able to go from 12 to 16 in a time of such uncertainty, I think really shows you that the West Coast League is doing something special here and that people want to be a part of it because, um, you know, this is not the most stable and certain time to say, yeah, I want to start a baseball team, right? But four teams have said, yeah, I want to be part of this and they know that the talent is here. The atmosphere is here. Uh, we've got 12 current teams who, have really shown, you know, what this can look like and what this can mean in a community. And Springfield's going to be a great market because it's another Oregon market. I don't know if you guys saw their logo, but I think it's really awesome. It's super cool. Um, and, uh, it just, you know, it looks, it looks good. And I'm, I'm really excited to get down there. I always, I've been to all the markets in the league. So I get excited when there's new ones so I can start checking them out. So it'll, it'll be really fun to do that uh, next year. That that actually brings me to my next question, though. Um, the, the Canadian teams that signed uh, or that that were going to be this year, but they've now been canceled because of uh, our continuing you know pandemic situation. Um, do we have any idea what's happening to the players that may have committed to those teams? Yeah. Are you guys yeah. giving them up among the rest, or trying yeah. to, trying to look after them? I think that um, as a league, you know, teams made every effort if they had room to to take those players. Um, the unfortunate thing is that not every team, like I know our team, we we didn't have a whole lot of room, um, so we we actually didn't have any room um, at the time of the announcement, and so so we we didn't pick any up. But I know that um, other teams did, and there was a lot of communication between GMs, um, but you know, between the Canadian teams reaching out and saying, Hey, you know, I have this player and this player, do you have a spot for him? And, and really trying, um, I will say very impressed, um, by the Canadian GMs and owners, those guys worked night and day. And I actually don't think the work is actually over. Um, they took it upon themselves to really try to find those players homes and, um, make the phone calls and do the networking, because they, they realize that how important it is for those kids to have a place to play. And, and so they really took that upon themselves. So I think that um, West Coast League teams certainly helped out as much as they could. And um, we all, you know, tried to pitch in as much as we can. And there were other teams that were able to take some as well. And um, some of those kids will probably get opportunities as rosters change a little bit um, in May with injuries and, and other things. But um, yeah, there were, was definitely some collaboration there and, 
uh, just, you know, still working really hard to get, get all those guys placed. Glad to hear right that, on. definitely. You know, cause it, I'm, it, I'm it's curious. It's a tough situation. Sorry, go ahead. You know? yeah. like I said, it is a tough situation. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm you know, glad you're everyone's pulling together on that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, go ahead. Quick question. Is Nick Proctor still part of the league, and is he coming back to Bellingham, or did he graduate? Nick is um, he is not coming back to Bellingham. He was actually planning to come back to Bellingham for 2020. Uh, we were going to have him back, but um, – you know, I was just talking about him the other day, and um, I can't remember where he was going. I think he was going to the Northwoods to play, um, but he's going to play in a different league. Um, but he's uh, recently, over the last uh, couple weeks, he's really had some good outings and is, is really doing well at Cal. So uh, it'll be exciting to watch him. I think last summer he played in the California Collegiate League. And um, I think they actually went to the NBC World Series, and uh, I think they may have actually won it. So, um, yeah, he's I'm not sure exactly where he's going to land. I know he's not going to be a Bell, but um, definitely one of my all-time favorite Bells. Really good kid, and uh, we're definitely rooting, rooting for Nick. He's a talented kid. Absolutely. He was fun to watch, for sure. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> uh, Matthew Page, do you have any final questions before we do our shout-outs? I don't believe I do. I'm, you know, I wanted to. to I, I guess my shout out would be to Stephanie herself. Thank her. Thank her for uh, for taking the time to spend spend some time with us tonight and uh, promote your uh, the bells and and we're looking forward ourselves to to, to seeing you this this year. Likewise, and, yeah. And, and dropping plenty more money at the concession stands. Don't worry. <laughs> And Stephanie, would you like to do a shout out to a favorite someone or something? Oh man, um, I mean, shout out to all of Bell's country, I guess. I mean, our, our fans and just everybody. I mean, everyone's been so phenomenal, um, just supporting us in a year without baseball. So fans, host families, um, the entire community, just kind of stepping up and and doing whatever we need. So um, big thanks to them, and then. Just a shout out. Um, this is a business and that takes a lot of work and a lot of hours, but this year it is taking a whole lot more work and a whole lot more <laughs> hours. So just a shout out to our coaches, to Tim and Adam and Hayden and David, um, to our front office team, um, John and our ownership group and everybody who's, um, a lot of people are working their tails off to make this thing happen. So super thankful. So shout out to everybody who's out there grinding away to get, to get this thing off the ground. Right on. Would you care to plug your the Bellingham Bells website and your Twitter page, et cetera? Yeah, yeah you bet. So, yeah, we're online at uh, bellinghambells.com, and uh, we do all the social stuff. So we're on Facebook. Um, we have Twitter, which is, um, I think, Bells Baseball, twitter.com slash Bells Baseball, and then we're on Instagram. So, um, all that's on our website as well. You can get there from our website. So bellinghambells.com. And we're launching a new improved website in the next couple of weeks. So that'll be even more exciting. That is exciting. Right on. Right yeah. on. Uh, my, my quick shout out is to the Seattle Mariners who are playing some darn good ball, even though I think my Seattle sports union compadres don't agree with me. They think they're going to falter, but. They've been fun to watch, and they beat my Red Sox tonight, so shout out to them. So I hope they keep it up. 
Um, uh, and, and I want to give want to give one last shout out to our our colleague and co-host uh, Abraham Dweese, who's lost a family member this week and and is uh, at the funeral, and that's why he couldn't be with us tonight. But he's here in spirit, and I'm sure he'd be here to make a smart ass remark at me. <laughs> and uh, I would say we miss him, but I don't want to give him the satisfaction. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> but he, he's in our thoughts, and uh, uh, yeah, so yes, he is. <laughs> Sorry for the little unconventional or uh, out of the routine kind of podcast for the evening, I guess. Oh, you're good. You're good. <laughs> All right. Well, we want to thank Stephanie Morell of the Bellingham Bells for joining us tonight. Um, please, everybody, go up there and root them on this summer. They are fun to watch and and just great to have baseball back in general. So uh, we will keep promoting them and. Hopefully you guys head up north. It's not that far of a drive. Um, <laughs> you can hear our podcast weekly on Podbean, Spotify, and iTunes for free. And please follow us at com. And we're also on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram even. So thank you for joining us, and we'll see you guys next week. <laughs>